We are pleased and blessed to have Elder Gary Swanson with us this morning to teach our lead in a discussion of our Sabbath school lesson. Elder Swanson is a resident of Maryland, and he has lived there for the past number of years as an editor and writer and in the director of, as the director of Sabbath school and personal ministries for the General Conference. He has spent many years writing and editing. He's an author of a number of books. He was the former editor of the Collegiate Quarterly, a quarterly that I participated in the use of when I was in college. And I, for seven years, he was the editor of Listen magazine. Elder Swanson's retired now, but that's kind of a misnomer because he has his hand in a number of writing and editing projects for the church. As uh, it was mentioned before, retirement never really happens for those of us in ministry. And we're blessed and pleased that he is here. He and his wife, Suzette, recently celebrated their golden anniversary. In case you weren't, were counting, that's 50 years. I hope to look like him when I pass my 50th anniversary. And they have two sons and five grandchildren. Elder Swanson, please come up here and let me have a prayer with you as we begin. Father in heaven, we're blessed to have your word to study, and we pray a blessing upon Gary Swanson as he opens the word and leads us in the discussion of it. May your spirit be present. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, that was really more than more introduction than uh, I was hoping for, but would have made my mother proud. How do I work this thing? Can I lighten it? Do like this, Mr. Mechanical. That's me. Okay. I've been asked this morning to take the Sabbath school lesson time to discuss focus on fellowship, as you can see there. And my being here today is uh, a real privilege for me. And I've already experienced one of the true blessings of fellowship in that it seems just about everywhere you go in the Seventh-day Adventist fellowship, you find family members, those you have known before, those you have, uh, uh, or those who uh, know your, fa- your family, I, Clint Falk reminded me of himself just before we came on the stage. I, I, uh, we, he and my two sons played softball together. Um, and there are other connections like that. I, if that's the David Zinke that I think it is, I knew him before he was seven feet tall. Um, he and I and my elder son, I think, we're in the same class together for several years in a school just about like this. That's one of the beauties, one of the, one of the real beautiful experiences that we have from being uh, a member of this church and enjoying the fellowship of it. For the past 25 years, it's been my privilege to serve, not as a director, that was, I should, full disclosure, associate director, please. So I think he said director, did he not? 
of the Sabbath School uh, in the Sabbath School and Person Ministries Department. And we're studying this quarter the importance of unity, as you know. And unity and fellowship are very closely related. This is appropriate because they are so closely related, and it's something that I think we maybe overlook. We take the fellowship for granted at times. One of the predecessors in the Sabbath School Department was a man by the name of Goodloe Harper Bell. Have you heard of him before? Anybody heard of Goodloe Harper Bell? He's way back in the history. Back in the 1870s or 1880s, he was asked to be the uh, organizer of the early Sabbath School Department. And they looked around and they, they tried to find someone who would have some educational experience. They thought that would, be, that would qualify him particularly for that, for that. And so Goodloe Harper, they found Goodloe Harper Bell. He, as a, uh, he had been converted to Adventism. And he was a college professor, and he was a serious college professor. Let me tell you this. This man was a serious educator. He was of the kind that expected that if you came to Sabbath school, you were expected to recite the Sabbath school uh, memory verse aloud for all to hear and to declare that you had studied your Sabbath school lesson seven times that week. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here this morning. We don't do that so much anymore. But here is something else that's really quite interesting, I think. Ellen White wrote him a letter, or apparently several letters. We don't have those letters anymore, but basically she told others in other letters what she told him. She told him to lighten up. I don't know that she used that expression, but she basically said that we need to make Sabbath school a much more open and welcoming kind of place. And that that's something that we want to experience, that kind of fellowship. That's important. And she pointed that out many times in her works on her uh, book, Councils on Sabbath School Work. She wrote to others. She said, Brother Bell's labors in the Sabbath school have exerted an influence upon our people from the Atlantic to the Pacific. He's tried to train his, people, his pupils to a habit of thoroughness. However, she says this, Professor Bell has been cautioned and again and again in regard to making the Sabbath school work like a machine. He's getting matters so fine he will have a big reaction by and by. So she apparently, we don't have the letters from him to, from her to him, but we have the reports of her letters. And basically she was suggesting that Sabbath school is a place for Bible study. Yes, of course. And that's what we're going to be doing in a few moments. We'll turn to that, to a very uh, uh, systematic Bible study. But it's also a place for fellowship. And what we'll be studying is... What is fellowship, and what does the Bible mean by that? And it suggests, I think, after we uh, survey several uh, scriptural references, that, that fellowship is more than merely standing at the door with, uh, and welcoming people in. It's a much broader kind of thing that embraces far more than just Sabbath school. It embraces all of the Christian life. In our American culture... We have come to admire the individualist, the person who can stand 
on his own two feet or her own two feet. The person who, is, who does not answer to anyone, who is improving himself or herself. We have strong admiration for Americans for independence as Americans through tradition, story, and instruction through all of our culture. We're encouraged, we're challenged to stand on our own two feet and stoically face the world. But as we study scripture, it offers more nuanced understanding of what in, of individualism and independence. Certainly, I am personally individually responsible for my response to the, to the uh, Savior. But beyond that, if we read scripture closely, we take in, and take into account its overall view of independence we realize that ultimately we're all utterly dependent on God. We are dependent beings. We're created that way, this dependence on God, on our relationship with him, and we're closely connected in relationship and on dependence on one another. We overlook that too often. And this is why in Scripture you see frequent mention of the word fellowship with God and with one another. We might point out that one of the other things that we have been encouraged to celebrate on this day, October 27, this is the Creation Day. Have you been aware of that? Have you seen the, the, um, uh, the materials that have been offered? This is a day when the church in many places is celebrating creation. When we consider that, when we consider that God created the heavens and the earth and all that in them is, in a seven-day period, and we go back to the original plan for that, it's important to notice what God said to the others in the Trinity. He said, let us make man in our image. Us, that's plural, that's more than one. There's a relationship there in the Godhead itself, and that's something that we probably will not want to overlook when we consider the importance of relationship because we are to enjoy a relationship, experience a relationship similar to that among the members of the Godhead. The scriptural emphasis on fellowship as it experienced in the Christian faith may be summarized in six ways, and that's what I'm going to share here with you now. These are the reasons that fellowship is so important to the Christian. First, fellowship is to walk alongside one another to support, nurture, and strengthen in love. Now, of these six principles, I'm going to suggest two scriptural references to support them. If you'd like to look them up as we go in your scripture, that's fine. I'll have them here for you as well. Jesus said, a new commandment. I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. Fellowship is an outward expression of our love for one another. It should bind us in commitment to our mission. As we love one another, we find a way forward together. Ellen White said the Lord desires the members of his church to be an army of workers laboring for him according to their varied capabilities. The expectations are not the same of everyone. We are individuals 
to the extent that we have gifts. But as we join together in fellowship, we want to express these gifts that God has given to us. The Apostle Paul wrote of another evidence of this love for one another, when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. Now think about this for a moment. This is Paul talking about how he was received in the fellowship of the Christian church. Paul had a reputation when he came to the church. And for him to be accepted in this way was a great opening of the heart, a great opening of fellowship. Because this was a man who came with some history. And he, was, he came to them hoping to be accepted in, in fellowship, and he was accepted in fellowship. Fellowship is to deepen our relationship with God through our relationship with one another. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Here we have fellowship tied with other kinds of outward expression of worship. In mutual worship of Christ, it's inevitable to be drawn together in love to one another. This brings a bond of unity that cannot be broken. Ellen White wrote this. She said, you are not to come together simply as a matter of form, but for interchange of thought, for the relation of your daily experiences, for the expression of thanksgiving, for the utterance of your sincere desire for divine enlightenment. Communing together in regard to Christ will strengthen the soul for life's trials and conflicts. These are the kinds of things that we want to encourage in Sabbath school as we hope to develop, and in the wider, uh, uh, wider environment of our worship together. To be drawn together, to be drawn together to be more, become more like Christ. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the, speaking of bre- in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Notice what they're doing in their fellowship here. They're, they're, breaking of bre- they're, they're eating together and they're praying together. And so this fellowship is to be far more than merely a, just a warm, affectionate greeting, happy Sabbath, which, of course, is a wonderful and a good way to begin but fellowship is far more than that. In praying together, we'll continue to grow closer to one another. In belief and in doctrine, and fellowship is to play a distinctive part in this. Fellowship is to study God's word together and live in obedience with its teachings. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This idea of walking in the light, we're going to come back to that as we uh, close. But we're going to look at that a little bit closer. What does that mean to walk together, to walk in the light as he is in the light? When we open God's word and we study it together, 
In many ways, we're working toward obedience together. When we read together a thus saith the Lord, we respond together. This is one of the things that we look for as we study together. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Notice the relationship here that we talked about, I talked about earlier. As an actual impact of our relationship with God the Father and God the Son. We are welcomed, when we, when we fellowship with one another, we are welcomed into fellowship with God and with the, with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit themselves. We, are, we become a part of that greater fellowship. We grow closer to the heavenly principle of love that will draw us ever closer to God as we grow closer together. Fellowship is to hold ourselves accountable to one another for growing toward wholeness in Christ. Accountability. This is a word that uh, we may want to look at a little bit closer. What does that mean? Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Let's be frank. This idea of confession to one another is something that makes us a little bit uncomfortable. More than a little, sometimes, possibly. It can sound as if it makes us vulnerable. We're really not exactly sure, as individuals, that this is something we want to do. But we're encouraged. It certainly doesn't sound very compatible with the idea of the individual no matter what challenges are faced. But notice that the, what the Apostle Paul adds to this in another verse. He says this, With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the hand of peace, in the bond of peace. As we share with one another, as we hear the confessions of others, as we hear those things, those requests for prayer and those kinds of things, we should be receiving that with lowliness and gentleness, not with uh, conflict. We want to have open hearts as we receive these kinds of um, admissions, of confession, of sharing with one another. We need to be supportive of that. Open-hearted. Again, he uses the words lowliness and gentleness. That's the person who's hearing about this, not the person who's confessing. Okay? Next. Fellowship is to learn together how God is working in the world and in our lives. To learn together how he's working in our lives. That I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. As we fellowship, we encourage one another. It brings encouragement to us to know that others are sharing the same kinds of experiences and to be sharing those in a way, in an open-hearted, open-hearted way. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another 
just as you also are doing. Notice what Paul does here. He is, he is telling these folks to comfort each other just as you have comforted me. So in a way, he is embracing, he is confirming, affirming the comfort that he has received. And so what he's doing, this is what we mean by open-hearted. We respond in a way that is the way we would expect from others. He's edifying them in their efforts to comfort one another. Let's never overlook the tremendous gift of encouragement. For some, that is a great gift. We have people who are encouragers. That's God-given. That's one of the gifts of the Spirit. That is something that we can take with us and we can offer to others in our experience of fellowship. Fellowship is to support one another in the development and use of our spiritual gifts to fulfill God's mission. Fellowship doesn't mean the loss of individuality. You are still you. You are still expected to be you. It does, however, offer rewarding opportunity for us to demonstrate our individual gifts as we work together in fellowship to fulfill God's mission. We are to work together in God's mission, to bring to that God's mission. Each of us has spiritual gifts that we can bring to that experience for the enhancement of all. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. Let's always be looking for every good thing in one another. This is not something that we naturally do. Sometimes we find ourselves not looking for the good in each other. We should be looking for the good in each other. And that will bring us closer to Jesus. Ellen White writes, Troublous times are before us, but if we stand together in Christian fellowship, none striving for supremacy, God will work mightily for us. Let's not overlook the possibility that some of the challenges that we face as a faith community may be because we ourselves are limiting the possibilities by being critical of each other, by uh, gossip, and uh, these kinds of things. Let's be open and acknowledge one another and encouraging. Encouraging is so important. We were created for fellowship. This is shown in the relationship among the members of the Trinity itself, as I mentioned earlier. Let us make, work together. God exists in relationship and fellowship. And we were created in God's image, so we were created to experience fellowship. That is what makes us whole. Shortly after uh, the fall in the Garden of Eden, we remember that God came looking for Adam and Eve. He came in an expression of fellowship. Where are you, he asked. And they were hiding, weren't they? He is is expressing here the need for fellowship in our lives. 
because that is something that is a part of God's character as well. It just, fellowship doesn't just happen. If it did, it wouldn't appear as a word in Scripture. It's, it's, a, it's a, a lesson that we are to take with us, to take from Scripture, to learn from Scripture. So I would suggest that as we look at our lessons throughout the remainder of this quarter, we're studying the unity. We're studying unity. Those two, unity and fellowship, are very closely connected. We're living in a time where the subject of unity and the need for it is extremely important. I don't know whether you've noticed or not. We're living in a culture that is really hurting. Uh, One misunderstanding after another. Some of them colossal misunderstandings. And we need to be studying this, this quarter's subject. The study of unity is extremely important for us at this time. And we're praying that the study of this, this quarter will, be a, will draw us closer to Jesus. If we look at fellowship then in Scripture, as I said earlier, it's more than simply a greeting at the front door. There are all kinds of things in the scripture this, that fellowship is, t- is connected to. I might list them in some ways like this. One of them is prayer. Prayer draws together in fellowship. Another is song. That's one of the reasons that we sing together. That's an expression of worship, yes, but it's also an expression of fellowship. The music is a part. The song is a part. We read in scripture where the, the apostles sang together. Wouldn't that have been interesting to have heard the apostles sing together? There is sharing, helping one another out, sharing in two ways. One is helping one another out and then also sharing of one's thoughts and heart. Fellowship also includes openness, honesty, transparency is a word we hear of in in today's culture. Openness is part of fellowship. Let's encourage that as we worship together. Another is acceptance. Think back about what we mentioned earlier. When Paul first showed up at the first Christian meeting, how that might have gone. This is, this is, they'd heard of him. And yet, he was taken in. He was accepted into full brotherhood uh, in the faith, in Christ, because it was in Christ. Fellowship is also encouragement. We talked about that earlier. And we, there are some who are gifted who are especially good at encouraging others, but it's something we all may need to aspire to more, to be more encouraging to others around us. Another is study. We have studied, for example, together this morning, the subject of fellowship itself. We've rather done it rather systematically. That's a part of fellowship. As we open Scripture... And we read scripture together and we discuss it. That's a part of fellowship. Another is confession, which we mentioned earlier. This, of course, is one that uh, we have to be, as we receive the confessions of others or someone confesses something to us, we need to be open-hearted about it, not condemning. We should, in turn, just simply direct whatever that confession is to Jesus. And leave it to him. And last, accountability. We are accountable for one another. 
we do need to recognize that we have a responsibility for one another, that this is an important part of fellowship. Now, our Sabbath school lessons this quarter are entitled Oneness in Christ, as you know. This week, we've been studying the key to unity. Instead, we worked and focused that key to unity on, we might have said, the key to fellowship. It might have just as well been that. Let me ask you, if I may, to uh, conduct with me an exercise, kind of wake you up a little bit. May I ask everyone to stand where you are, please? You might think I'd be asking you to turn to a neighbor and say hello and greet each other and fellowship, and that's a good thing to do. But I'm going to try something. Have you try something else? Let me ask you to do this. This is something else to try. Okay. Without anyone using any technology. Now, some of you are going to be real tempted to get out the phone, the you know the phone or your or your uh, your uh, iPad or whatever. No technology. No even watches. Okay. As you're standing where you're standing, turn and face north. Take a minute. Think about it. Face the direction you think is north. There seems to be some disparity here. Okay, please be seated. Consider this. Now, I brought a good old-fashioned Pathfinder compass. And I have my honor in uh, orienteering, so, so there. North, as my compass, compass here demonstrates, is about in this direction. How'd we do? <laughs> I find when I have when I share this in places that very often people who are local have a better idea which fa- which direction to face. And I notice another thing too that I think is worth comment. I've just got a minute or two left. That you find people looking at one another, and maybe there's scriptural basis for our questioning whether that's wisdom or not. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, or something like that, right? Okay? Consider this, though, folks, as we close, and we talk about, the, as we've been talking about fellowship and unity, consider this. Jesus said, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men to me. He is true north. He is the direction we should all be facing. This is the compass. Let's use the compass to face north, to face Jesus. And as we face Jesus, each one standing next to one another, we'll all be moving in the same direction. We'll all be facing in the same direction. We'll be moving toward Jesus. That is unity. And that is the best way we can find our way to unity in him. And I'd like to suggest that as the place to close for our study of fellowship.
Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this beautiful Saturday. Thank you for your church. Thank you for the unity between the diversity. Thank you overall for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.